you so much. Ah. Praise the Lord. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. We're going to revisit the principle of fasting. This is many years ago that the Lord <coughs> talked with us from the Scripture about the fast of meekness, and we have operated on that set of principles, biblical principles, for quite some time. And um, particularly with this journey of this rather significantly large team going into Brazil, um, there are those throughout that nation this week who are joining you in fasting. I had the privilege of teaching a collection of pastors this past Friday on the elemental facets of what we have all learned together from Isaiah 58. And I don't, I don't need to keep telling you this, but it was as if what what we have all been privileged to know and to walk in in the Scripture for years, this was like a revelatory experience for all of them. I can't describe adequately the reaction at the receiving of the Word. It's, it's phenomenal. And because it's the Word, you know, there are so many religious influences that are down in Brazil. And um, there, you, you can't stick your finger up in the air without sensing the winds of any number of religious things, many of them coming from the United States. And truth be told, so many of these pastors down there have... how's the best thing way I can say this, have become suspicious of things coming in religious circles. Because, you know, you know some big thing comes and then, uh, then it goes away. And then another thing comes and it goes away. And we chase after them like um, a puppy for a ball that you throw. And the Word of God is eternal. It doesn't go away. And the deeper things that God shows from His Word are always increasing. And the thing that makes what the hunger that God has put in, in the Brazilian churches is for the Word. And I appreciate that uh, more than I can say. So to see their delight at gaining a new measure of revelation of the Word of God is invigorating. It's, there's a sense of, I don't want to say fulfillment on our end, but there's a, there's a deep measure of joy that comes when you see people actually wanting the deeper things of the Scripture, and, and of course then of the spirit realm. And I am, I am so very grateful for that. So we did a, a rudimentary teaching on fasting. I talked about many of the principles that you've all known for years, how meekness is such a, a vital and important facet of what God wants to develop in us, how Moses was meek. Jesus was meek. The meek inherit the earth. And thankfully, um, Portuguese has a word for meekness. <laughs> I remember when we went into France and we started to teach about meekness, and there wasn't a French word for meek. And I joke with Luke and Sylvia about that. So I said, well, you're going to have to come up with one. I mean, if I'm talking about meekness, you're going to have to find a word 
that is is commensurate with that with that understanding and um, even even that brief five minute journey into into the concept of meekness really had an impact on these these pastors I'm just reporting this we're going to get to the scripture here in a minute but I knew that as they're fasting this week and as we're fasting our Saints Network is fasting that the Lord wanted us to revisit Isaiah 58 and we're going to look at verse 5 we're going to see a few new things that the Lord is highlighting, and I'm always grateful for that, very grateful for that. But essentially, Isaiah 58.5, we're going to read it in just a second. God is berating the people because of their misuse of fasting. And he is um, he's really focusing on the fact that they either, they either use it toward um, their desire to get their own will, their own way. Um, you see this word pleasures here in verse 3. You find pleasure. It doesn't really mean the old-timey holiness, don't do anything on Sunday, just sit around and look at each other and eat the fried chicken that mom spent hours making for you. I don't know how we justified that, you know. It's a day of rest, no work, but had the women in the kitchen slaving over a hot iron, you know. <laughs> uh, we kind of bypass that. But, um, you know, the point, though, is that to find their own pleasure doesn't mean you don't do anything um, that would be part of life. It just means that are you fasting to gain something that your soul and your mind wants? that would bring pleasure to you. And, you know, again, I'm touching on this scripture, but basing what I'm saying to you on the plethora of other scriptures where Jesus taught and prophets taught about the, the foibles of fasting that the people had embraced. Some people fasted just so that they could put on a religious show Oh, I'm fasting. So everybody would think they were holy. And none of those things are what God wants. He really wants us to fast so that we can partner with him. The remainder of Isaiah 58, after verse 5, talks about incredible miracles, incredible, marvelous points of of freedom and healing that God wants to do through as a result of the fast. And then the light that shines forth, that breaks forth, and the increased measure of being able to um, speak to God and know that He hears and know that, that God is answering. And, you know, people would read this too just from a surface standpoint and think that this is um, like the, the words about uh, drawing out your soul to the hungry, satisfying the afflicted, um, that it's more of a philanthropic area, soup kitchen mentality. Uh, we bless those efforts to reach out to the community. But God, I remember what Jesus said, you know, the poor you always have with you. Uh, we should always be looking to bless the poor. Um, and to do what God asks us to do in that regard. But um, this is really speaking this entire chapter from a spiritual framework. <coughs> I, what I was talking about earlier in speaking to these pastors, there's a hunger for righteousness. There's a hunger for the Word of God. And when you put this precious insight from the Word uh, into their mouths and see them devour it with and want more. I got, I got emails from three pastors um, using Google Translate saying, we're full, but we want more. 
And, and I thought, that's the best thing that anybody could ever say to us because it really is in line with what the Scripture says. So we are, we are showing ourselves before the Lord this week so that we can be used of Him. And um, I, it was funny because in the Q&A at the end of the teaching, one of the pastors was talking about how uh, the concept of sackcloth has been perverted in the church. And um, he was telling funny stories about how uh, he had seen pastors try to use sackcloth in a way to either control their people or as a gimmick, and not from the concept of what fast sackcloth really is. And, it, you know, they were talking about different ways that that um, in churches when they were growing up or things that they had heard go on regarding fasting and the crazy things that people were being asked to fast for. And so they were very happy to be able to have from the scriptural um, standpoint, the scriptural standpoint, understandings of what fasting really is and what God requires. And they were with great delight looking forward to bringing this before their people today. And um, we speak blessing over them. And it's, again, it's not about us. I mean, I, I'm not in any way saying, oh, they got a hold of my book or my teaching. That, that has no factor at all. It's the Word. It's the Word of God. It's taking people on the pathway of studying the deeper things of the Word. And that's the only thing that brings, that brings satisfaction to us. I mean, we read the Scripture about David. I, I love your Word. It's like honey to me. I love to meditate on your Word. Show me the deeper things of your Word. Jesus spoke about the Word. It is written. It is written. And that's the only thing we can bring that has any eternal meaning. And that's the only thing that's going to arm these people in the army of the Lord in Brazil for the days that are coming. It's the Word. And, and I, so I'm grateful that all of you have been willing to support the deeper pursuit of the Father, and then to uh, glean things that are in the Word and to go after the unsearchable riches of the Word of God. I thank you for that. Because you would think, like I thought at the very beginning of our walk in this, that everybody would want this. And boy, as the old preacher would say, believe you me, it was a... Um, it was a stunner to me that if you could show something in the Word that the people need that is beyond what we've known in the Word, and you can prove it in the Word, that there would be people who would just reject it openly. People that would say, oh, no, 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 I don't want that. That's not scriptural. Without even opening, cracking open the Word to say, well, come, let's reason together. Let's see, is this really what God's saying? Um, one statement was made, you know, I can see this in the Word, but I'm having a hard time wrapping my hands around it. And I thought, I almost said, and it was to somebody that was in leadership, your hands have nothing to do with this. You, you need to get your hands off of it. And you need to let the Word find its place in your heart and let, and let yourself be accountable to what the Word is saying. So, once again, everything that we're going to be bringing to these pastors over these days and in ministry into the churches um, is the Word. It's not fancy sermons. It's not illustrated things, even though they can be very beneficial. It's just the Word. But 
I am thankful that the Spirit of truth is moving even now, generating hunger within leaders and within the constituents that God has um, called uh, them to, uh, to shepherd and to lead and to teach. I'm thankful for the Spirit of truth for doing this. Um, and um, so fasting, just know that as you fast this week, I don't know numbers, so I'm not going to evangelistically throw it out there. But I don't know how many churches are teaching this today and asking their congregations to be fasting with us through this week. I, I, it's, it's not about numbers. If, if five of them, per adventure, uh, go before the Lord and really make touch with the throne of God, it will impact that city and that nation. And um, so I'm very thankful for this. So finally, finally, Isaiah 58, verse 5. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down the head as a bulrush, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, an acceptable day unto the Lord? Now, let's look at this from a number of angles. <clears throat> First of all, it's God that chooses the fast. If you are concocting some fasting scheme because you think God hasn't been listening to you, you better ask him if he's choosing that. God chooses the fast. And it's, it's in conjunction with the day of the Lord, the acceptable day of the Lord. Now, you remember in, uh, in Isaiah 61, and then that is Jesus' signature sermon at the beginning of his ministry where he says the acceptable year of the Lord. What's the difference between those two things? And I think it's very significant for us to understand this. Jesus spoke about the acceptable year of the Lord, and Isaiah prophesied about that in Isaiah 61 because year there signifies new beginning. It, uh, if, you, if you trace out the word and the meaning of that word, the acceptable raison, which is that razor-sharp intent and focus to get it clear, to get it specific, to get it right, and to commit yourself to it. There has been no year of the Lord like unto Jesus. When he came, when he fulfilled that prophecy of Isaiah, nothing was ever going to be the same. It was the new beginning of new beginnings. It was the new covenant. It was that way of redemption for us to the Father. So the acceptable year of the Lord is um, a triumphant moment. And it, um, you know, God moves in seasons. We know this, times and seasons. There have been phases of how God is revealing himself in accordance with uh, the scrolls of the end times. I believe that we turned a new page in that, and we've lived that together uh, over this past season of a few years. And we're now we're walking in, in a measure of breakthrough and in a, a new dimension of his presence. But it's commensurate with God turning that page according to his end time calendar. To me, that's not the year of the Lord. To me, I think that the acceptable year of the Lord was what Christ did. And I, I think that it brought us into a place of newness that um, we're still living in. Now, whether when time shall be no more, um, we then just begin to partner with God in ways that are beyond the sphere of this earth, uh, what that means for the acceptable year at that point, I think we just keep walking in it, and it expands. But the day of the Lord is something different. The day, the yom, uh, signifies 
a, a moment in time. It signifies that something new begins, like Yom Kippur or other Yoms. And it speaks about something that God is doing, and he wants people to recognize this is a new thing. Come, come along. Waken to it and engage in it. And this is the day of the Lord. You know, in the, in the, in the eschatological scripture, the end time, you see that the day of the Lord is upon them. Uh, it's destruction. It's these, all these different things. And there can be many days of the Lord. Uh, it just depends on what God is doing in a particular time frame. I think that we have just seen God lead us into a new dimension of a day of God's plan. And uh, that's exciting. But you find that when the day of the Lord, when God chooses a fast, it's conjunction, in conjunction with the day a day of the Lord, and we then commit ourselves to welcome everything he's wanting to do in that time frame, everything that he's wanting to do in that segment of his, of his eternal plan. And, you know, sometimes people get confused about days and times, and, you know, some people just get so hung up on end-time prophecy, and, and uh, you know, I won't go there. But sometimes people get confused and they think, well, it's just too much for me. Well, how do you manage your day? How in the world do you know what year it is and what month it is and what day of the week it is and what time it is? People really know what time it is when I'm preaching because they're always consulting. And how do you, how do you survive? How, how, and then when there's a birthday or an anniversary, how, oh, it's just too much. I just don't think I can handle it. We understand these things in our natural life, but when we talk about things that God is doing, that he has an eternal time frame, and he leads us into it, and sometimes there is a transfiguration that he's doing in us, commensurate with that moment. Even the development of who you are in the Lord has been engaging various phases of development. You know, it's, it's funny to me, and I, I, I am going to get back. We are talking about this verse. The chosen fast in the day of the Lord. Um, when you're around people all the time, as a, if you're a seer, it's kind of like being with people in your family. You may not necessarily notice that they're really changing in their physical appearance unless you look at a picture. Or if other people come along and they look at you and say, man, you've changed. Um, we all feel the same. And that's great. But when you're around people, you sense things, you see things, but you don't, really, um, you don't really notice how God is changing them from a visual perspective. But, you know, like, I'm going to pick on you, Sarah. Um, I remember when you were just a little teeny thing here. And, um, and as you started to grow, um, your giftings became very apparent. And I was fascinated by them. And I told your parents that. And I tried not to talk. You don't talk to kids about this. But because you don't want to confuse them. But and I, I look at you now and I see, man, God has just, even in the past year, he's, he's changed some things and elevated a sphere of receptivity and strength. You may not be aware of that, but I see that. God is changing all of us. We're, we're, we're always being transformed and so that we're not conformed to the world, but transformed to the image of his son. We're being perfected. God is changing us. <clears throat> but it's for the purpose of serving him. And God chooses the fast, and especially in the acceptable day to the Lord or the day of the Lord. God's plan. So I think we're in this moment. I think this fast that we're engaging in this week is really preparing ourselves for what is ahead in service to the Lord. And it's, it's going to do that in many different ways, but it's also offering a special blend of incense, as it were, 
before the Father uh, on behalf of what he's doing and what he's going to do according to his plan. Praise goes before him. And our, our offering in this way, obedient offering in this way, is ministering to the Father, but it's in conjunction with something that he's revealing at this time and something that we're stepping into. So we're serving him, we're acknowledging the time, we're submitting ourselves, we're being developed, we're being refined. All of these things and probably more if we just listed them out is what happens during a fast. But it's not saying, oh God, you know, I really would like to win that lottery. You know, my whole family's been fasting every Friday so we can win the lottery. What will we be able to do for the kingdom if we do that? People do that kind of wacky stuff. If you really want to win the lottery, you get a fast on Thursday. See, that's the just joking. But we don't fast for our own pleasure. We fast because God chooses it, and we want to align ourselves with what he requires when we're stepping forward into the day of the Lord. Now, what happens, though, if you're just in, um, in your daily walk and God puts it on your heart to fast? Well, that's a special gift to him. I suppose you could just fast as an offering unto the Lord, and he didn't really knock on your door and say, hey, I want you fasting this week, Nathan. But you just felt led to fast as an offering to him. That's wonderful. Has anybody ever done something special for you just because? How's that feel for you? It's wonderful. So there are many ways we use fasting, but it's all unto the Lord, and it's never for some scheme that we have. It should never be that way. Um, what if there is some horrible situation that a person or a family or individuals are dealing with? And old Aunt Nellie says, oh, I believe we should all fast. Well, I'm sure God uses that. I've been part of those things throughout my existence in church. I'm not faulting anybody for doing that. But the essence of fasting is really about you being open before the Lord. What about the passage when Jesus, um, the little boy, Jesus had just been transfigured? Imagine that. He still has the shine of God on his face. Comes down the mountain with the big three. They're kind of in their own world wanting to build tabernacles. They're wanting to go over to Home Depot and get tabernacle materials so they can strike up one for Elijah and Moses. Jesus comes down, finds the other nine guys, and they're just they're befuddled. They don't know what to do. They're scratching their head. You know, they've tried everything they heard on the Internet to try to cast out the demon out of that little boy. Nothing's working. And what did he say at the end of it? This kind comes out but by prosuke and fasting. It was about them and being prepared for the new. And I, I could go into a, another teaching here, and I'm not going to, but the fast is for you to obey the Lord, to submit yourself so that you can be more prepared in meekness to serve Him in what He's chosen, and, and so that you'll be more sensitive to hear from Him and to obey Him, and, and to really minister to Him on behalf of what's coming. Why does God want us to bless him? Why does God want us to minister unto him? Why does God want our incense, our prayers, the prayers of the saints, which is our incense, to come up before him? Why does he want that? Why does he need that? Well, first of all, because he loves us. Secondly, because he's training us in sonship, which is really what his passion is for you. <laughs> but praise waits in Zion. Praise goes before and, and there is something that we offer of ourselves to God that satisfies the principles of spiritual advance. And all of these things enter in before the Lord. It's not because he's got a big ego and, you know, they didn't even say they loved me. What's wrong with them? You know, that, that's not what our God is. 
lot of, a lot of people like that. But God's not that way. He's interested in you. The end result is never in doubt. Gee whiz, I'd really like to have done this. And if more people would have fasted, I could have got it done. Think God says that? You know, I really wanted to buy this thing, but my people didn't do what they were supposed to do, so I'm sorry, I can't do it. God's not that way. Fasting is for you so that you can align with him and to move with him. And it's for me in that way, too. And, and so this week, as we offer ourselves to the Lord in whatever way he's directing us, know that it's so that you can become closer to him Know that it's so that you'll be more sensitive to him. Know that it's so uh, perhaps things that could, in your own self, that could rise up and pervert or destroy what God's wanting to do through you, that that would be tempered. It never goes away. You've got to keep watch on yourself. That's how so many people fail because they submitted themselves here and they submitted themselves here you know what did paul the apostle say i got this war going on in me what i would do i don't do what i should do i don't do what i shouldn't do i do oh wretched man that i am i die daily if you ever come to the point where you think i've arrived you know, I, I died to self back then. I remember what Jack Hayford said. Oh, God rest his, his spirit up with the Lord today. He said, the problem with a living sacrifice is it always wants to crawl off the altar. If you died last week, you've got to make sure that I'm not dead yet. You've got to make sure that you really put that under. If you've, if you've had an issue, you know, like I... I I've strengthened myself through the blessing of the Lord physically. But I recognize the area that I was trying to correct, and I, I don't do dumb things in regard to that. It's not a matter of faith. It's just a matter of common sense. If, if, uh, if I'm not supposed to lift this heavy thing in this way, I don't do it. I'm defying the laws of physics. I'm not Samson. Uh, and so I recognize this is a problem for me. I've strengthened myself. I'm more wise regarding what I do. But two weeks from now, that's not going away. I find another way to do it. And, and I don't hurt myself. When it comes to spiritual things, sometimes Christians are idiotous. They fell twice over here years ago. They fell over here years ago. God strengthened them. He taught them. And then all of a sudden, here they are in a new terrain, and they think, well, I think I'll try that again. Well, guess what? It's probably not going to work out real well. So part of what the fast is is for God to remind you of the things that he's taught you in the past. You know, one of my foibles as a pastor is, I don't know why I tell you guys this, I let a lot of things go that I should probably be a more disciplinary person in, in, in the church. I just figure that I, people will come around to what they're supposed to do. Lots of pastors will be in your face. I don't know if maybe you want that again. I, don't think, I think some of you got out of that, and you're grateful not to have it. But, you know, the point, though, is that we're at a point now where <laughs> whatever God allowed us to get by with in the past, in this terrain, it's not going to happen. It's like that song that I always get a kick out of with Will Reagan. I'm going to climb this mountain with my hands wide open. Well, how else would you climb a mountain? I mean, that doesn't work very well. I think that he's, he's, he's saying that you don't carry a bunch of stuff with you. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that we really have to commit ourselves because 
I don't want you to miss what God created you to be, but I'm going forward. <laughs> We're go we've, we've got a job to do. We've got a task to do. And um, this is where we are. So this is a chosen fast, and it's the, the, the day to the Lord. Let's look at these three factors. A day for a man to afflict his soul. And this is where we get the measure of meekness from. Meekness is not weakness. It's controlled strength. It's disciplined uh, skill sets. It's submission to the Lord. It's patience. It's, it's willingness to abide as a goodly horse in battle for his command. But it really is you submitting yourself to learn how best to serve God in, in what gifts you have. You could take the analogy of sports or any type of craftsmanship. Just because you have a skill doesn't mean you know how to use it. And you, you need to learn how to utilize what you, you've been given. But the soul, it doesn't say to afflict the spirit. It doesn't say to afflict the heart. It doesn't say to afflict the body, thank God. But the soul... Now, the soul, of course, is the, 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 the merging of our emotions, our conscience, uh, our thinking. It, it maybe could be uh, um, something that, this is to me where the big battleground is. And the natural mind is always at enmity with the things of the Spirit. Um, we have to really submit ourselves in, in, in these things. But one of the things that I was studying about the other day is what affliction is. <coughs> Here are things that affliction meant in not only the ancient usage of the Hebrew, but also in uh, the Akkadian languages. Afflict means to dwell with and to support. It means to become busy. It means to answer and to respond when called upon. It's even used to talk about chanting or singing praises to God. It, it speaks about being bound in submission, and it also speaks about foiling and disrupting uh, scenarios that could be a problem. Isn't that interesting? All of those things are affliction. It's not somebody uh, flagellating themselves with a whip. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Uh, that won't get you anywhere because people can do that and really never submit themselves. But if you're going to afflict your soul, you're saying to your mind, your emotions, and whoever, whatever capacity you view things, that you are dwelling with and supporting the Lord. You are being busy with His work. You are answering and responding to Him when He calls and how He calls. You're even offering up your song to the Lord. You are submitting to Him. And if there are things that could foil, that word was used a number of times in the lexicons that I looked into. If there's something that could disrupt, basically coming out of your soul, you got to squash it. You really do. And I, I cannot stress this enough. I think that in this capacity to, to be busy with, to answer, respond, there's a facet to this that has to do with understandings of things that are going on in the spirit realm. Um... I was um, <clears throat> let me just say it this way. We need to have greater clarity in what the Spirit is trying to reveal to us. It's, it's not enough for us to just simply feel something, even though that can be beneficial. We've learned how to use that. But we need greater clarity, as God would give, 
uh, so that our natural perceptions can have a, a measure of interpretation to know, what am I sensing this for? Why, why am I feeling this at this point spiritually? What does it indicate? And, and I think that this is part of it. I think this is part of, of this, and I'm believing that through this fast we'll gain that. Let's look at the next part. And this is really a cool one, too. To bow down his head as a bulrush. Now, when we taught on this in the past, and it's been true, um, this is to be on your face before God and that sila dimension of these three, this, this principle of three in the fasting. Um, you could even make it a principle of five with the choosing in the, in the day to the Lord. But to, functionally, the principle of three, uh, where the first is you want to hear from God. You want to make sure you're there to respond. Here am I, Lord, send me. You want that. The second is you're on your face in the seal of this. And, but you're doing it as a bulrush. Now, we've talked about this as a reed, which is the jealousy of the Lord in the Old Testament, and that's true. But the bulrush is a very interesting thing. These, this is kind of like the king of reeds. Uh, it can grow to 10 to 12 feet high. And it's, it's kind of, it's got three sides. And it's hollow. And from the insides of, of, of this bulrush, um, people would make cords or ropes and they would be reddish in color. You know, Moses' basket was formed by the inner workings of a bulrush. <coughs> Fishermen would use this. They would take the, the innards of a bulrush and weave it into a line and then throw it out into the water with a hook on the end, and it would kind of confuse fish because they would think, oh, yeah, we see these things growing all the time. In fact, in Job, it, it's talking about warring against Leviathan, and it says, can you, can you use this to get Leviathan? Well, the easy answer is, yeah, but it's, it, that's not the end of the warfare. Another thing this was used for was to make papyrus. This was the main papyrus um, component for the ancient Egyptians, Moses learned how to make papyrus during his days there in the kingly courts. And it's, I, I don't think there's any, any measure of uh, doubt that a lot of the book of the law was either written on skins or on the product of the bulrush. Isn't that interesting? So why would God say that you bow down your head, you, you put your head on the ground, you're on the ground as a bulrush. Because probably more reasons than this, but you're flat, you are engaging in something that's, the reed is important for the, for the kana of the Lord, the jealousy of the Lord, it's the stelos of the Lord, but when you're dealing with the, the, a day of the Lord, it is a massive flow. And you've got to recognize that what you're going to deal with is on a higher volume than what you're used to. The principles remain the same, but that's why so many of you have been saying, I don't, wow, there's something different. This is really, I've never felt this before. Well, it's the volume of this day of the Lord. And this bull rush is wider. You imagine something being 12 feet tall and then hollowed out. But also, God is giving us insights. He's giving us things to, to be transcribed and to sent forth. He's also giving us this capacity to make cords, to, to be united in, in agreement with brothers and sisters in, a, in an entirely new continent. It's also to be fishers of men and also, however God would use this, to draw out these, uh, these entities, spiritual entities that are in opposition to him from the time of rebellion 
All of these, and, and again, probably more, are indicated by the bulrush. So when you're on your face in this, in fasting, a heightened capacity to not only receive or record the Word, but to send it forth, a higher capacity to entwine, a higher and to bind together, a higher capacity to be fishers of men, and to seek into the bathos, the, deep, the depth of the Lord in His Word, but also to engage in spiritual warfare. Who's on the other end of that cord? It's not the cord itself. It's not the hook itself. It's the Almighty God whose sword will defeat Behemoth and Leviathan and other entities. So when we're on our face as the bulrush, wow, this is a heightened measure of partnering with God, welcoming His kingdom, sharing His Word, seeking the deep things of His Word, bringing points of deliverance, warfare in a divinely inspired way. I think that's phenomenal. You're living that right now. You're living that in this moment. The third part. To spread sackcloth and ashes under you. Now, I think one of the things that we'll do, and I've got to get further clarity on this, one of the times that we're in ministry down there, I'm going to ask our team to, to, to wear black. Probably the Friday night. And we know that prophetically donning sackcloth is really important. We've done the studies. And one of my favorite ones was Nineveh when they received the word of the Lord and all those people put on sackcloth and even put it on their animals. That always cracks me up. But God saw that. He hearkened to it. But this is a different thing. You're putting sackcloth and ashes under you. And you find that in a number of passages in conjunction with the day to the Lord. What does that mean? Well, I think for the most part, we recognize what we've said the day to the Lord is. It's God wanting to come and impact the earth in conjunction with his timetable in a way that's not been done before. And if we're on our face, we're saying, Lord, come. Let your kingdom come. We want to be willing to partner with you in whatever you're doing. And here, Father, I'm going to obey prophetically, and I'm going to stretch out a target. I want, I want to partner with creation, with this earth, to say darkness has reigned here and now the light is coming the light must come here and so i don't know how you want to ashes what do ashes represent our willingness to say that nothing on this earth in of the earth survives and that even our own physical body ashes to ashes dust to dust nothing that had importance to us is really going to last in the natural. That's just the truth. I was driving here yesterday morning, and I saw that uh, over on, I think it was McComas, there was a big sign that said estate sale. And something just struck me about that. Many of you have been to estate sale. Maybe you've been part of them. But I thought, these dear people there, all the things they collected that they just had to have, now some knucklehead, maybe like me, pulls up, goes in there, and buys it. We recognize that even whatever has been, with well, 11 of that, served its purpose, but we need something fresh and new. And we need to say in our repentance, Father, whatever your light is wanting to shine on this day to the Lord, I'm laying this out as a prophetic act. You can wear it too, but this says you put it under. And there are many other passages that speak about that tactic. I don't think we've ever asked for this before. I know we've always focused on the meaning of sackcloth, which we should, because you can lay something under you all day long, but if you're just doing it because somebody told you to and you don't really understand what the Scripture says, I'm sure God uses it, but you're really going to lack the full benefit of it. This is impactful. 
To me, I think it's partnering with creation. I said that a minute ago. Welcoming the manifestation of the sons, but the manifestation of the God who they're serving and is with them. So I don't know what you have in your house. Maybe you have something dark you could just spread out and lay on. Do it prophetically. You don't have to put ashes there. My house is kind of dusty, so we kind of live in ash. Um, it, I don't know what it is. It's not Debbie's fault. It's just the way it is. Maybe it's the chariot of the Lord. Chariot of the Lord. We heard about that today, didn't we? If the whirlwind comes and I'm gone, somebody come and finish this. That is interesting. You think it's uh, motorcycles? I don't know. <laughs> but the point, though, is I think you need to just obediently spread out. I'm, I'm going to take this shirt. I, I'm just telling you. This is, you do whatever you want. You can't have this shirt. You get your own. But I'm going to lay on it this week. And then I'm going to wear this shirt on Friday night in the ministry time in Brazil. That's just what I'm going to do. Um, but the reason we do it is to welcome the light of the Lord. We read, why did John begin his gospel by writing about that? The darkness could not comprehend, could not withstand the light. The darkness could not do anything. The light came. And it could not withstand our Lord. This is what we're believing for. There's a lot of darkness in this nation, but where we're going, there are so many ancient points of serving the darkness that are not only existent out in public, but are embraced by people groups. It's really interesting. God's got a people, and He's going to do mighty works. But to me, spreading out the sackcloth, stretching out upon it as a bulrush, and committing my soul to what God's Spirit and my spirit are, are needing to do, and my body needs to be anointed uh, by the Spirit to move and to do exploits. But this black cloth, I enjoin you to do this um, before the Lord. Prophetically, prophetically. There's no gimmickry in any of this. These things all mean something in the spirit realm. And all we have to do is see it in the Word, know that God's asking us to do it, know that it's His season to do it, and He will do great things through it. Now, I don't know what you're going to do on Wednesday night. I'm not asking you to bring your black. I'm not asking you to go out and recruit black prayer cloths. Wouldn't that be something? But you may want to bring some thing of black on Wednesday night when you come here. Won't that be something? But it's, it's not gimmickry. It's, it's to obey the Lord intelligently based on His Word, we're asking God to impact a continent because this is what He wants to do. We are believing God is going to impact a nation and a city. And we need that partnership for the terio itself. And here's where we come to the cross, which is listed in this sheet that... Monica referenced earlier that you should all have. We're believing. We fast this week for the nation of Brazil and for the continent of South America. Our privilege is to declare the cross of Christ Jesus, which we'll be preaching about on that Sunday morning, and to declare that our Father has ordained that we lay claim to ownership and operation of the Hestemi deposits created by God for His glory. May His cross yield a healing in the nation. 
So when we're laying on the sackcloth, we're partnering with God for that. He's given us the tools. He's given us His cross. But this is another, and, and that's magnificent. Without that, we'd have nothing. And we thank Jesus forevermore for it. But here is what God requires of us. This is the chosen fast. This is not about our pleasure. This is the day to the Lord. It's a wonderful day. God's presence is so wonderful with us. May God use you this week. May he do things in you that will reveal facets and capacities that he put in you from the foundation of the earth. May you begin to use them. May it bring a measure of fulfillment in your life as you offer that to the Lord. And I would normally pray and then say, um, thank you for being here. God bless you. But I think that what I need to do in the inception of this fast is to first of all declare to our Heavenly Father that it is a privilege to be able to partner with you in this. And we ask you, Father, that you will use us to please you. May we be guided by you as to what types of fasting we're to offer this week. Because there are many of them in the Scripture. But may you accomplish through us what you need, what you want. And it's our privilege to afflict our soul in yielding to you and to your business. And we officially commence this fast. And I ask that your spirit would guide your people that we would be pleasing in your sight. And I know that you are going to guide us. And our times with you are going to be precious indeed. And we thank you for this, Father. And we declare it in Jesus' name. So the way we're going to end this service is I, I feel like each of us need to make a commitment. It doesn't have to be an hour long, but I think that you need to say these three things. You need to say, I submit all that I am to you, to your business, to your, to your kingdom. Affliction is not punishing yourself. It's engaging, forcing yourself to learn to engage at the directive of God and to learn what things are holding you back from engaging and to lay them down, even if it's one of your precious pretty things. I, I, we commit ourselves to that. And you may even want to kneel down with your head to the ground if you can do that. Or lay on your face. Let the principle of the bulrush be pleasing to you as we represent your kingdom as a conduit of your presence, as a partner with your presence. And then you don't have something sackclothy today, but you can commit yourself to learn in that process this week. And once you feel you've done that, adios to God. Go your way. But let's engage in this. God loves you. You know, we've done lots of different fastings over the years. This one feels different. Even when, after I taught the Brazilian guys, and I'm finishing now, and I'm going to invite you to be on your face. Give me one more minute. But even after I taught the guys, I felt the Lord say, you know, would you like me to show you something that you've not seen in this? It was, it was not audible, but it was just riveting. It just almost shook me in my chair in my office. And I said, Father, I always want to hear more from you. I always want that. You know, the, the delight of my heart is to see something in your Scripture that you're showing that I've never seen before. And then he started talking about this, which is for us. This is new. So let's expect something fresh in our personal lives from the Lord this week.
And it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share this with you. Thank you for being willing to do this. So, I've already prayed. Let's find our place. And when you're done, have a wonderful day. And we will see you on Wednesday. God bless all of you.